What's up, guys? Welcome back. Don't forget we have a special episode coming up in two days. This Sunday with uh, a interview with Gary Ashcraft on uh, miracles and healing. So do not miss that once it comes out Saturday uh, evening. This episode, we are going to round out our discussion on spiritual gifts and kind of diving into your calling and what God has for you. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into that right now. Hey guys, and welcome to another exciting episode of Your Life, God's Word. Thanks for joining this time of relevant conversation and scriptural application where we apply God's Word to the most important areas of life, God, family, and community. We pray this broadcast inspires, encourages, challenges, and blesses you in every way. So without further ado, let's dive right in to this week's episode. So uh, don't forget podcast at bedbreakers.com if you do have any questions or things of that nature. We'd like to get those answered. And we do have a couple that I've been holding on to to, to kind of figure out where is the best place to, to put these things in. Um, so we'll be getting to those very soon. Uh, some good questions coming in. But today we're just going to go through Ephesians chapter 4 a little bit. We've done this with uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we did it with Romans chapter 12. And today... Um, just kind of going through what, what people call the fivefold ministry, okay? Just to get this off of my chest, <laughs> I, I mean, the Bible doesn't call it fivefold ministry, right? The, he, just, he just names some of the gifts given to the, to the church. However, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm up in the air with whether it's fivefold, because when you get to pastors and teachers, I'm not really sure how you, how you get to a pastor a pastoral gifting without also incorporating teaching. Um, but maybe we can, maybe someone can, can enlighten me a little bit there. I'm happy to say fivefold, by the way, I'm not, you know, trying to, you know, get out there and destroy the theology of so many, but I'm just, I just want to throw that out there, get it off my chest a little bit. But let's start with uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Interesting how the scriptures tell us, right, that our life is supposed to look a certain way, worthy of the calling you have received. So many people get to this mentality of, uh, you know, we're we're free in Christ and, you know, just kind of live your life and do, you know, do whatever, basically. And, you know, Jesus there got your back. He's going to back you up. You know, but... But when you read the Bible, when you actually read the Bible, you clearly see there's there's expectation from Jesus Christ um, toward us. And so I, I think we need to be very cognizant of that at all times. That, that way when we read scriptures like this, they make sense, right? There's an expectation of the life that we're supposed to live, the example we're supposed to be, um, both inwardly and outwardly. You know, our, our thoughts our desires, our mindsets, all the way out to how we behave and even how we dress, they need, to, they need to mirror a life that exhibits the fact that Jesus is Lord in that life. Uh, verse 2 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. 
right? We're going to get into, you know, the body of Christ here and talking about it. And the, this is how it has to happen. Love and humility have to really be the things that, that, um, that overarch everything. Because when you're going to get together, people getting together, right, in a family, um, in a church, uh, body, we, you got to have love, right? We love one another. That's our motivation. Um, I've said this before where, you know, in Matthew where it talks about going to someone who's who has sinned against you, right? If love is the love and humility is the those are the the governing forces, right? First of all, going to someone doesn't look like I'm going to go to you because I've been wronged and I'm a victim and I'm going to let you have it or I'm going to let you know you wronged me. It's the motivation is reconciliation. Let's let's get past this. Let's let's conquer this together and move on in love and togetherness, right, and unity. And then humility, of course, helps us to often, you know what, I was slighted a little bit, that that was a little, you know, maybe they shouldn't have said that. Maybe that was a little bit offensive. But you know what, I'm humble, I forgive them, I need forgiveness, and we just move on. And you never even address it directly, right, because it just wasn't important enough. So many people in the church need to learn these, um, learn these, ways of living <laughs> instead of just talking talking deep and high-minded theology or let's all just you know just live our life and do our thing and also have Jesus too we need to incorporate these things right patience gentleness those are things I'll admit um, I need to you know work on brush up on um you know we need to have these things though if we're going to be an effective ecclesia um in the in the earth working together, to accomplish God's uh, purpose and plan. Verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Again, get going on to that same point, right? We're walking in the Spirit, we're moving in the Spirit, we're flowing in the Spirit. We need to have, um, we need to have peace, right? We need to have peace amongst ourselves. Verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, in verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is a, who is over all, through all, and in all. So, um, the, the, the issue here, right, kind of going backwards, right, verses 6 and 5, right, the oneness that is in God. Right? There's one Lord. Right? There's one faith. There really aren't many different roads. There aren't there's one true faith. One baptism. Right? The uh what do we read in First Corinthians twelve, right? By one spirit are you all baptized into one body. There's 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 in verse six here in in Ephesians four, one God, right? Father of all, over all, through all, in all. It's one God who governs these things. There's one Lord. That's Jesus Christ, obviously. One faith, right? There is a singularity in God. Um, you might even call it an exclusivity in God, right? Where Jesus says, no, there's not many paths um, to the top of the mountain. He said, I'm the door. I'm the way. If you try to come in a different way, you know, you're going the wrong way. Um, sometimes people don't like that, but that is the truth. And we must speak the truth uh, in love, as I think, read later on in this chapter, but but that, you know, that is the way that the church must operate, keeping these the Spirit flowing, having peace, patience, right, gentleness, um, 
now let's move into uh, verse 7. But to reach, uh, to reach, <laughs> but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led, cap- he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who ascended is the very one Man, I'm butchering this. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave. What did he give? Some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. To prepare. This is why he gave them, right? This is why he gave these gifts to the church. This is why he... This is why he did this, to prepare God's people for works of service, okay, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the, the point is to achieve a maturity and a fullness in Christ. Right now, who is supposed to be doing the acts of service? Who's supposed to be who's supposed to be uh, prepared and going out and doing things? Who's supposed to be serving? Who? It's the entire body, right? God's people, right? God's people are supposed to be out there, acting, serving, doing, um, operating in their calling, operating in in the gifts that God has for them, which we've talked about already in First Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12, no matter what that might look like and what it might be, we should all be operating, right, for the purpose of coming into maturity and coming into fullness in Christ. But the fivefold ministry, right, the fivefold ministry is given, why, right, to assist the people of God to get to that point. All people in the in the body of Christ should develop into ministry, into serving, into their gifts and calling. And and the fivefold ministry, right? They're part of the body of Christ. They have we'll, we'll say special roles, or or maybe specials to maybe maybe that's still too hierarchical, right? If that gives you the vision of this person's on the top of the mountain, everybody else is you know down here. That's not the point, but their roles are to help people to grow into their calling, right? So you're 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 a prophet or you're a pastor, or you're an apostle. You're supposed to be helping people to grow and develop, right? In discipleship, but grow and develop so that they are able to go out and serve, go out and minister. And I think too often people get into this mentality that you, know, you got the pastor at the top here, um, and there's like a pyramid, and everybody's just kind of coming for the pastor to feed them. That is not the point, right? Pastors and teachers and evangelists should be training people to learn how to feed themselves, right? You're almost trying to work yourself out of a job. Of course, in a healthy body of Christ, that's never going to happen because you're always going to have new people coming in. You're going to have people at all levels. You're going to have brand new people, right? Then you're going to have people maybe working their way in into a calling of leadership, but they're not there yet. And so you've got people who are further along helping them to come up into their calling. And so you've got this massive band, this massive spectrum of people at all levels growing, developing. There's no place where you stop developing, 
or stop growing. Obviously, the person who literally has been operating in a, in a you know a, the calling of an apostle for three decades. I hope, right? I hope they're not still at the same place as the brand new person that just walked in the door for the first Sunday. <laughs> I certainly hope not. But you're you are all growing, developing, right? Continuing to uh, measure up to that that fullness of Christ working together. But the fivefold ministry are gifts and callings within the body, people who have been called and gifted in those things to help others to grow and develop. They don't necessarily have to have a title. This is that you find nowhere in here where it says they have to be, you know, preaching from a microphone in a pulpit. On, on a stage on Sunday. I mean, you could have prophets, you could have evangelists, you could have pastors, right? People, pastors, that, that's their gifting, and they're pastoring people, and they're working in that gifting, but they don't actually get up and preach on Sunday, right? Oh my goodness, how's that possible? Well, I mean, where does the Bible say that's what is supposed to happen? It, it doesn't. That's sort of an Americanized version of things. Um, now, should... Should you have you know a Sunday service and just open microphone anybody that wants to say anything can get up at any time that would be chaos and craziness right so obviously you want people who are more seasoned leaders um, they've proven themselves you know th- this kind of thing who are in that vein of having the most impact right you don't want some somebody that has proven themselves to be a horrible um, <laughs> <laughs> making horrible decisions, completely immature, but, oh, we've got them over here pastoring people. No, no. But at the same time, you don't want it to feel like, well, it's this hierarchy and a ladder, and there's like one or two people at the top of the ladder. They're in the limelight. They're doing everything, and then everybody else is just kind of coming and grazing and, you know, paying tithes and, you know, teaching Sunday school. That is not the, that is not the picture of the body of Christ. And even when you get to fivefold ministry, these are people there working in their calling and their gifting, right? As an apostle or as a prophet. And what are they doing? They are helping develop other people. The whole point is a, a spectrum, a path of development, discipleship, right? That is the point until everyone comes to that fullness of Christ, right? That's what we're, we're, we're pushing for, that maturity. Um, now, you might be asking, well, what about, you know, leadership in the body? What about governance? What about government within the church? And see, it, it, the fivefold ministry, it, it doesn't even really deal with that right here, right? When it deals with government, when the Bible, it being the Bible, when Scripture deals with government in uh, Timothy and in Titus, Paul actually talks about elders and deacons, right? Different words, different roles. So you could, be a, you could be a pastor who's also a deacon or a prophet or an apostle, right, who, who is an elder, right? Um, when you look in the book of Acts, when they did things like kind of church-wide, church government-related issues, what did, who did they bring together? They didn't even say, bring all the fivefold. They said, bring the apostles and elders together, and, and that's how they governed. Because of the five, of the fivefold ministry, the one that is clearly a governance role is the apostle, right? Um, the others, I think, can be and that kind of thing, but I don't think you're going to be an apostle and you're not in any kind of government, right? You're not in any kind of governmental calling. The apostle, I think, 
is is going to have that kind of mantle, that kind of if I can use that term mantle, that that kind of call, that kind of role, that kind of responsibility. Um, and then elders and deacons are the ones who are supposed to govern the church. So you could be a teacher, a, you know, recognize the person as a great teacher, they, but they don't necessarily, they're not in that meeting for the, for the governance or the, or, or, um, the final direction and say for the, for the, you know, for the church body. Now, does that mean they should have no voice? Well, well no, but maybe they're not called to that role. And that's why roles and responsibilities within the church, they're, they're important. We should, we should recognize and honor them, no matter how quote-unquote great or small we think they are. Um, but you, you don't have to say, well, I, I, I'm not going to have the microphone or teach on Sunday, and therefore I'm not five-fold ministry. That is not true. I don't, show me that in the Bible. Show me that in the Bible. In, in, in your church, in your denomination, in your organization, that might be true, but I, I didn't ask that. I said, show me that in the Bible. I think when you start looking at denominations and you start looking at, you know, uh, handbooks and codes of conduct and this kind of thing, I think you'll find a lot of stuff that's not in the Bible. That doesn't mean it's bad, but if it contradicts the Bible, if it's a, if it's a method of doing thing that contradicts the Bible, that is bad. If, it, if the Bible is not really, you know, super um, uh, verbose on that specific topic, right, what time does service start— um, the Bible doesn't say, okay, and that okay, put that in the handbook, put that in this, but but that should be something that's changeable, right? Not set in stone like it's the heavenly word of God delivered by angels or something. Um, so so what is it? What is, what what does it go on to say here? Verse fourteen, right? We, what's the purpose? Fivefold ministry, preparing people for God's service for for ministry, right? The entire body, right? So that we can be built up so that we can reach unity of the faith, knowledge of the Son of God, become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, Then we will no longer be infants, right? Tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Right? People should be brought to the point of maturity where they are able to stand on their own two feet, they are able to get into the Word, they are able to pray, they are able. They are people of character, they are people of maturity. This is what should happen. Now, I recognize that that might only be like 3% of people in any given church, um, but that's no excuse. Just because people are not actually fulfilling this and doing this doesn't mean that that's not what God's expectation is, Okay. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, there it is, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. So we should speak the truth in love. We shouldn't um, lovingly dilute the truth, right? And we shouldn't truthfully push love out the door, <laughs> okay? It needs to be truth and love. Now, love has been, at, that word unfortunately, has been very poisoned and polluted and watered down. It's not loving to watch somebody that needs help, that is in sin, that is, you know, doing things wrong, that has incorrect doctrine, like these kinds of things. It's not loving to just let them be and just, oh, who cares? Well, you know, they'll figure it out, okay? But it's also not loving to immediately go to somebody, brand new person, and immediately lay down the law with all the things they need to change and all the things they're doing wrong. That is, again, where did Jesus do that? Did Jesus not teach truth? Of course not. And that's why a lot of times the massive crowds turned around and left him. (laughs) 
right? But he also didn't, the, the person coming, I need you, Jesus, I'm crying at your feet, right? He didn't immediately tell them all the things, right? People need to, room to grow, to develop. There's nothing in these verses that, um, that would make you think this is going to happen inside of a month, right? Inside of a week. The, there's a growth, there's a development. This, these things are going to happen over time. And that's why up above, gentleness, patience, right, humility, love. That's why we, we need those things. So it goes on, right, we, we need to be able to stand up against, right, false teaching, cunning craftiness, right? People do deceive. People intentionally deceive, and sometimes people unintentionally deceive, but it's still deceit. It's still wrong, okay? Um, so we do need to bear that in mind. We do need to bear that in mind. Instead, speaking through love, we'll grow up in Him, right? We'll grow up, we, we, we mature, right? Look at all these words, grow up, right? Mature, right? Fullness. This is what God wants. Is this where you are? If not, that's where we need to try to get to. That's where we need to try and get to. Um, from Him, Christ, this is verse 16, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds, look, itself up in love as each part does its work. Again, indicating that there's all these this vast array of pieces and parts to the body of Christ. Is it fivefold ministry? Great. Is it you know some of these gifts of the Spirit? Great. Is it some of these functional gifts, things that we may overlook sometimes, things like mercy or helps or administration? Yes. Yes, it's all of that, all working together, building itself up, every part doing its its work, doing its calling, doing the part that it's been called to do. Verse 17, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. There's a whole lot of futile thinking going on right now in the world, and we need to get away from that, not doing things how the world does things, how, the, how, how unbelievers think, okay? Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from Look at this, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. There's a lot of things at play. There's ignorance, right? There's hardening of hearts, that people get hardened toward God, toward the things of God, right? And so they can't, they're, 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 they're darkened. They, they can't even, they don't even get it. They can't even perceive or understand. That's why, right, people that come to Christ need to be reborn, right? Born again, water and spirit. Right? That, that's what they need so that, the, that that hard heart can become soft again and moldable and then and teachable, right? And then you've got like people like fivefold ministry or those who are able to teach and train and relearn and learn how to be a disciple. Right? Verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, they gave, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. And that is so true. When you're in the world, there is a there is this drive toward things that, that are not godly, right? Most of the time, that's where it's at. Now, people can live a quote-unquote, you know, relatively clean or moral life um, without God, but it, it still is futile, okay? And many times you're filling your, uh, your, your life with quote-unquote good things that are still not God things, with work or family time or whatever, and that, those are good things, but you're not fulfilling the call that God has on your life. So that, that still means you're living in disobedience and rejecting God's call. Um, verse 17 uh, and 19, oh, I'm sorry, verse 17 through 19, 
basically get at this point, right? The difference between the church and then the world who, you know, they're darkened, they're hard in their hearts. They, they need to become sensitive again. They, they need to pull away from these things and turn to Christ. Verse 20, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So, lot here. First, he says you were taught, right? Yes, there is teaching involved. There is teaching and training in righteousness and holiness. People that think, oh no, just, that's just a it's just a God thing that just happens. No, the the becoming you become holy, right? That act of becoming set apart. Yes, of course, that's a God thing. But things that you do. Desires you have, ways of living, things that are just part of your character, part of your habits. Most of the time, you have to be taught you're supposed to not do that, or you're supposed to do this. And look, here's the scriptures, or here's what what Jesus said, or right. People don't automatically just leave them alone, get them born again, and then they automatically become a full-on disciple of Christ. That does not happen. Otherwise, every epistle is a waste of time and words. Paul could just open up and say, hey, get born again, and you'll have everything you need. The end. He doesn't do that, right? Because we need to be taught, right? Now, in verse 20, verse 24, it says, right, because we're created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So again, righteousness and holiness there is an, an aspect of right living, right character, right thinking, right all of this stuff that um, all of this stuff that we must do and we often need to be taught those things, but then we actually have to do them. And again, who is it that can help us with learning them and doing them? Obviously, we can say, oh, well, you know, you know, read the Word of God, be in prayer, right? But these scriptures are talking about you were taught. That means somebody is doing the teaching and somebody is doing the learning. When we come to Christ, we are going to have a lot of learning to do. Over time, right, it's not that you stop learning or anything, but over time, right, you're not going to learn as much on a daily basis from when you knew nothing. So, there has to be that development. This is why Paul said, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. There is that element. Who are those people that we should be kind of looking to to help lead us, guide us, right? Obviously, again, people call to government, elders, great place, right? But then people called, right, in those fivefold ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So, they are there, again, to help people to be discipled, to grow, to mature, and maturity. What does maturity look like? When you start turning the page instead of just receiving, just coming, just checking the box on Sunday because, you know, it looks good, it feels good, and whatever, and now you've got a heart and a passion for ministry. Now you're you're pouring into others. Now you're, you know, you're, yes, you're teachable, changeable, you know, growing yourself, but you're starting to turn that 
turn that corner, and now I'm going to be pouring into other people and ministering to others. Um, that's what God wants us to be able to grow into. Now, verse 25, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Again, right? Why? We're all we're all one. We're all part of the same body, We're right? This is the view. This is how we should be looking at each other. Verse 26, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. This happens all the time. We give the devil a foothold by our unforgiveness, by our gossip, by our bad attitudes. We give the devil a foothold in our lives, okay, in our families, right, by that sin that we want to hold on to, by our um, by, by our offense that we want to hold on to. Oh, they did me wrong, or I can't believe that. They just rubbed me the wrong way, or right? And what should we do? Gentle, patient, loving, humble. Go to somebody. It's just, oh, man, I've tried to pray over this, pray through it, just get, get through it and just forgive, but I, I think I need to deal with this. Okay, go for it. Go talk to that brother. And what is the point? To let them know, hey, let's, let's reconcile. I love you. You love me. Let's reconcile this. That's the point. The devil can't get a foothold in a body of Christ that operates that way, or a family that operates that way. He who has been stealing, verse 28, must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. I can't help myself. I'm just going to say, culturally, um, stealing, whether it's legal or not, I'm just going to put that out there. Okay, we what do we, what should we be doing? Being productive citizens out there, right? Working, doing something useful, all right? Not sitting around being a victim and waiting for everybody else to come and provide for us, right? That's not godly, not what God wants. Now, again, right? You're you're truly disabled. I'm not talking about fake disabled. I'm not talking about you got some doctor to sign off and you're perfectly able but disabled. I'm not talking about that. I mean, you are truly disabled, right? The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Not if a man can't work because he's laid up in bed. (laughs) That's not what it says. But I believe it. Do you? The Scriptures teach that if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. That you're worse than an unbeliever if you don't provide for, for um, for, for your family. Uh, And this is a big thing, right? The church doesn't really, it's not supposed to be a place of socialism um, where we all come together and then these, you know, there's a hundred of us and these 80 do all the work and we 20 over here don't. That's not supposed to be the way it works. We're all supposed to be part of the body and the body, each one has a function. We are all contributing. We are all doing. We are all working, right? Um, And look at this, you know, you actually turn it around 180 degrees. You were stealing, and now you're going to work and do something useful. Guess what? Not only for yourself, but so you can share with those in need. You see how God operates? That's how God operates. The devil is, no, sit down, you're a victim. You can, you, Yeah, you can take that, no big deal. God says, no, you're not only going to not take that, but you are going to earn, and then you are going to turn around and give to people other than yourself. Very... 
Interesting. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You know, gossip is a killer. And really, even just flat-out complaining, it's a killer. Why are you complaining? What? Why, why go to that person, even if it's a leader, and your purpose really is just to complain to them? You know, sometimes we all need a sounding board, and that's fine. But if it's if you're constantly just complaining, you're constantly just, oh, here we go again. Oh, the, literally, you are, you are out of the Scriptures, and you are going against what God says to do. Do not let any, not some, not a little bit, not when you had a bad day, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. You might think it, but don't say it. What is it that the, the Scriptures teach? power of life and death is in the tongue, don't say it, right? You, the, the thought might cross your mind. You may not be able to control that, but don't speak it. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed by the day of, uh, sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all, here we go, bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, God, forgave you. Just as, oh man, see, I, I just I can't read today. Just as in Christ, God forgave you, right? Does Jesus forgive us? Oh, yes, thank you, Jesus. Do we forgive others? Well, if they ask for it. Well, maybe. Well, I did once, but now they did it again. No, we're supposed to forgive just as in Christ, God forgave. We're supposed to be kind and compassionate, right? We're supposed to get rid of all these things, bitterness, unforgiveness, right? You know, slap that gossip down before it even crosses over your lips. Slander, right? Don't need to be talking bad about people, even if it's in the quote-unquote form of a prayer request or whatever it is. We need to be people who walk in this way. That is what God wants. That is what God requires. Okay, and we need to remember, right, the purpose of that fivefold ministry. And there, I think there's lots, I think in the body of Christ, there's opportunity for lots of people to be operating in these things. They, they may not, again, get that time, and they may not even want it, right? There may, may be people with great teaching or, or pastoral abilities um, that God has gifted them in and called them to do that that are at, like no way would I ever want to get the microphone and be teaching in front of a crowd of you know hundreds of people or whatever, right? But they would be awesome pastoring a few families, just working with them, loving on them, you know, uh, maybe having them over their house, going to their home, and just and that's the thing. If we can break the mentality of what quote unquote pastor is or quote unquote prophet means, or and, and just let people operate in those giftings and. Um, I, instead of all the, all the, you know, jockeying for position and title and, you know, name tags and all this stuff and special parking spaces, you know, nothing wrong with special parking space. If you know what, you're in the band and you're hauling a guitar up there on the stage, like, you know, park closer, right? <laughs> um, it, but the, the problem is when we get this mentality that it's like this pyramid, we're working our way up the top and there can only be one guy on the spotlight on Sunday. But, but that, that guy is only doing, you know, 3 to 5, maybe 10% of ministry, and 
what is what what is everybody else doing? That's where the word of God speaks for itself. The fivefold ministry, what are they there for? They are there to train and equip the people of God. Everybody, right? Every including each other, right? The, the, the prophet is there to help equip the pastor and the teacher. The teacher is there to help equip the apostle. The apostles are to help equip the evangelist and all that fun stuff. So I hope this has helped you. This is a little shorter segment today, but hey, you know what? It's Friday, and we're going to have a special one on Sunday, so we'll make up for it. But I hope this has helped you. Don't forget podcast at breadbreakers.com. If you have any questions, email us there and share like, comment, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. Get this thing out there, and uh, we will be back with the next episode. God bless. Love you guys. Have a great weekend.